This is Jim Sagnita, head coach of the PLL Whip Snakes, and you're listening to Solo Talk Talk. On Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Now it's yeah. Padel scores! Hands off for Ravel, switches hands and scores! Kylie Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! For a second time, the 2020 PLL champions, the Whip Snakes Lacrosse Club! Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. This is our PLL Championship recap. I'm here with my co-host, Adam. Kind of sad, you know, that we're wrapping up this three weeks of Pro Lacrosse. That was really fun for us to watch and cover. Um, but we had, you know, a good championship game that kind of was a really game of just three runs. Um, but Adam, what is your, your takeaway? Let's start off with this championship game between the whips and the chaos. What are your takeaways, uh, from this game? Uh, my, my first, uh, Blaze Reardon is in fact good at playing goalie. Uh, he had crushed it this game. Uh, I know the, the end result isn't what he was looking for. Um, but after that first, uh, game where Mac Audette chirped him, uh, he said that didn't mess with him at all, which clearly it didn't because after that he responded uh, with having a fantastic season. He had three of the top uh, games in terms of saves after that, and he crushed it today as well. Eight first-half saves uh, for Blaze. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't result in a W uh, with that late run there by the Whips going uh, 10 straight goals between the end of the third and fourth quarter. But uh, great performance by him, and I expect him to be named Goalie of the Year uh, when those awards do come out. Yeah, no, another great season for him. Um, you know, he had a, finished 119 saves, uh, which, you know, is a testament to him, you know, being able to, you know, stop shots, but also, you know, kind of telling a little bit telling of that defense. But, you know, for people that say, like, just because his defense is bad, that he would face a lot of, you know, more shots, um, his save percentage was still uh, – 0.613, which was only behind the, you know, reigning champ, uh, Kyle Burnlore, who was a 6.29 save percentage. So not only did Reardon, you know, make the saves when he needed to, um, his save percentage was still just as high. So, you know, for anyone that's kind of trying to knock him down a peg just because he faced a lot more shots than a lot of people, um, he still had a great save percentage as well. But yeah, another terrific season for him. Um, you know, that kind of brings into question too. We, we thought we might see a little bit of Dylan Ward this season. We didn't see him at all just because blaze played so phenomenally uh throughout the whole series um so we're gonna get that a little bit later whether we see him you know as the backup next year maybe we see them then move him and get some more pieces on that defensive side um but yeah i i think it's great to start with him um just because he probably would have been my mvp if the chaos would have come out on top obviously a pretty ugly fourth quarter but there's really not much he could have done a lot of those goals were right on top of him that defense kind of you know really collapsed after really stifling them those first three quarters. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what you saw from the whip snakes offensively. You know, they get off to a hot two, nothing start. We think that it's going to be another long day for the chaos. Um, and then the chaos kind of, you know, keep them in check for most of those first three quarters. Um, what did you see from that offense in those first three quarters compared to what we ended up seeing in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I think Coach Towers really put in a good game plan uh, to kind of stop that Whips offense early on. But uh, as the game progressed, you know, especially in that fourth quarter, uh, the studs played played studly, right? The, the guys like Zed Williams, who was the eventual MVP, uh, the Jim Brown MVP, had five goals 
uh, in that fourth quarter, four in a two-minute span. So uh, for those who didn't know really what Zed was like on the field before this year, they know who Zed Williams is now, right? And he had a fantastic day, still lead, led the league in scoring beforehand and clearly leads it after, broke, tied the record uh, for most goals in a game, just so happens to be in the championship game, right? He had a fantastic uh, season and a fantastic championship game and deservedly was named MVP. Yeah, no, I mean, he was just on another level that fourth quarter. Um, he's such a, a big-bodied attackman that he can just, you know, bulldoze through people, but he's also a fantastic finisher as well. Him and Rambo had so much chemistry this season. Uh, it's amazing what they were able to accomplish, you know, in such a short, you know, training camp and then to, you know, be so productive during the season. Um, you know, I got to give credit to, like you mentioned, that you know, Coach Towers' game plan was great. Um, I think Jared Newman played really well on Rambo. Um, you know, he had Rambo uh, as a matchup for most of the game. Jack Rollette, you know, I, I've kind of pr probably been a little critical of him. He did really, really well as well. Um, those two guys are really great cover guys. I think, though, you saw a little bit of them missing Brody Merrill you, throughout this whole season um, and then kind of a little bit in that fourth quarter. I think they need a quarterback on that defense. You know, like t a team like the Whips, um, they have Matt Dunn who really kind of gets everybody on, on the same page. Obviously, Eddie Glazer is that guy for the Redwoods. Um, and I just think, you know, they're, they're kind of lacking a little bit um, with that quarterback of that defense. You know, I, I think Newman and Rowlett can both thrive as cover guys if they get somebody in there to kind of be that vocal leader. You know, Jesse Bernhardt was what that Chrome kind of needed this season. And you saw how well the Chrome defense played, unfortunately, up until that final game in the playoffs, they kind of laid an egg. But um, I, again, I think it can't be understated having that guy that can kind of get everyone on the same page. You know, sometimes it's the goalie. And I think, you know, again, we mentioned Blaze. Blaze is very much that vocal leader on that defense. So they kind of get away uh, with having him. But I still think you need another poll out there, um, you know, that, that can kind of command the defense's presence. So I, I look for them to maybe add that in the off season. Um, I don't know who that is right now, but hopefully they, they can find somebody to kind of, you know, fill that void. But uh, yeah, you know, the Zed Williams back to him, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be understated how, how phenomenal he played. I mean, he just went into full beast mode, put the game on his back. Zeddy ball game came out uh, and performed to a high level. And it was just incredible seeing like once they got going in that fourth quarter, I mean, they just didn't stop. And I, I was, surprised not that they got going but that there was no answer from the chaos and I think that again is a testament to somebody that a lot of people thought could have been the MVP as well Joan Ardella they just started playing make it take it and you know he finished with a phenomenal day he he finished this series Adam with a 0.725 face-off win percentage that is just unheard of to dominate so much at the x um, and unfortunately you know at the expense of Tommy Kelly who really did not have a good good series at all we'll get to that a little bit later but um yeah crazy good day for him as well you know and he's I think the unsung hero again you know if Zed doesn't put up six goals he's probably your MVP uh for the whole series but uh yeah you know the whips proved that they are you know the real deal and I think we, do you think we could be seeing a making of a dynasty here I mean they they didn't have a lot of the pieces we came to you know see last year with Ryan Drenner Connor Kelly Ben Reeves you know, big pieces of that offense last year. Didn't have those. Zed obviously fits in seamlessly, but a lot of guys like, uh, you know, Jay Carlson really stepped it up um, as well as Brad Smith. So I, I think the whips are, are going to be, you know, scary good next season. We'll see if there's another expansion draft or, you know, what happens with the off season. But uh, 
yeah, you know, this could be the makings of a, a dynasty. Yeah, just credit to Coach Staggs just on the makeup of this roster, right? We talked to him during our draft show um, back in the offseason. And, you know, a guy he mentioned that a lot of people forgot about was Brad Smith, right? And he clearly had a big, big um, role in their success uh, for this championship series. And, you know, a lot of people were skeptical about uh, his moves potentially just because he kept so his his defense intact right and he lost so many pieces on offense but um, because of guys like Brad Smith and Jay Carlson who we'll have on the show I, I don't see why they can't have future success right if the pieces are still there uh, we'll talk about potential uh, expansion right maybe they might be forced to, to lose a couple of those players but clearly they're able to not rebuild but retool uh, that offense pretty quickly just because of those pieces they had on the sidelines and those couple of additions uh, from the offseason. You know, uh, Brad Smith, you know, eight goals, seven assists. Uh, he was 12th in scoring. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, again, he, he is another unsung hero. You know, the, the Whips had Rambo and Zed Williams as the top two in scoring. Uh, and then, you know, you had him also in that top 12. So uh, and not far behind them, Mike Chanichuk, Jay Carlson, and John Haas. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, Coach Staggs did a great job of putting the system in place and then, you know, plugging in some new guys like uh, the two we mentioned and then Max Tuttle as well, who did really well both ways. He had a few goals in this series as well. So, yeah, I think they're, they're going to be good next year. I mean, I made that, you know, Bill Belichick comparison prior to this championship. Um, I think it still holds true, if not more now, um, just to what Coach Staggs has been able to do. So I think going into next season, I mean, they don't really have too many weaknesses. Um, you know, whether Joe Nardella can keep up this production, you know, for a full season, we'll, we'll see. I think he can. And everything he did this year leads me to believe that he'll do the same next year. Uh, but let's talk about some of these teams then that, you know, kind of either underperformed or, you know, I, I think other than the whips, a lot of teams still have some, some big weaknesses that kind of were their Achilles heel. Uh, let's start with the archers. You know, a lot of people picked them to win the championship. I personally thought they would. Um, you know, they end up losing to that red hot chaos team in the semifinals. Uh, well, what do you think one of their weaknesses is, you know, cause we, we've lauded them as one of the top offenses. They have one of the top defenses. They still really though, couldn't get it done. And they, they kept, they stayed in, the, they still couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And, uh, a lot of their games, despite winning them this year were really close still. So I don't know if they've necessarily gotten over the hump in terms of, you know, close games. So what did you see from them that, you know, they'll need to fix going into next season? Yeah, you know, I think one thing to look at is potentially uh, a change at the face-off X, right? I mean, their face-off play uh, wasn't the worst in the league, um, but I think adding a guy potentially like a TDR in the draft um, would be an awesome addition to, one, create uh, – they already have a, a fantastic offense, right? And giving that offense even more possessions um, will lead to more success for, for a team like the Archers. So – um, that's something that I could see them pursuing going in uh, to next season, potentially in free agency. We'll, we'll talk about that later or potentially in the draft. I think face-off uh, may be a good spot for them um, when it comes to off-season additions. Yeah, I agree. You know, you had Stephen Kelly, uh, 43% in that playoff loss. Brendan Fowler was 55%. Um, but yeah, you know, together they, they ended up finishing uh, eight, six and seven in the total face-off rankings. Um, you know, they're behind Joe Nardella, Connor Farrell, Jake Weathers, Drew Simino, and Trevor Baptiste. So, you know, again, they showed some signs uh, of, you know, good face-off play early on, but I still think 
they need somebody more dominant. And, you know, you saw that. That's how the Whip Snakes were so dominant. They had a guy like Joe Nardella. Uh, that's how the Chrome were so successful for most of the season with Connor Farrell, despite, you know, losing in that, uh, you know, opening round, they still dominated at the X. So their issues are a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, they, they might want to look to upgrade a little bit at that position. That way they can play more make it take it. Cause I think their offense is right up there with the whip snakes. But when you get into these games where you can't kind of put these runs together because you're not winning every face off, uh, you know, it's kind of hard. And that's kind of what we saw with them against the chaos. Yeah. And, and kind of going off of that, I mean, they have a fantastic offense, right? The, the additions to that squad, uh, Christian Mazzone, he was t- another one of those guys added in the entry draft that had a phenomenal season for his new squad. Uh, a D3 guy that we love on this pod, Josh Courier, crushed it for them as well. Um, so there, there's obviously always room to improve, but that offense um, was pretty potent this year. Yeah, and the defense, you know, put it together too. They, they, you know, they, they didn't really give up more than, I don't believe, uh, 12 points. So that defense played really, really well. Matt McMahon, you know, had a phenomenal season as well as, you know, the goalies they had too, and uh, Drew Adams and Adam Gittleman. But I think, you know, the faceoff, again, is, is such a crucial part of this game, especially at the pros, and that's something I'd like them to address. Uh, we mentioned another guy, Connor Farrell, who's on the Chrome. Uh, that faceoff is not really their issue. Um, and, you know, they looked pretty good on defense for most of the season, but that's kind of what let them down in that playoff game. Uh, where, where do you think they need to kind of address? You know, they got Jesse Bernhardt, who I think is going to be quarterback in that defense going forward but do you think they may be trying to make a change at goalie I know John Galloway had actually a pretty great season you know for most of the the series up until that playoff game but he is getting up in age do they go a little bit younger at the goalie position do they make a move do they stick with him and maybe add some more experienced polls I mean what do you what do you think from this chrome team that can help them get over the hump yeah I mean for all those people who were saying Galloway had a bounce back year uh, he, he certainly did based off of his, his season in year one of the PLL. But, I mean, last year was pretty much an anomaly uh, for John Galloway. He's been a, a top-tier goalie uh, in every year of his professional career uh, other than year one. So, I mean, if he wants to play, he's clearly capable uh, of still playing. Um, he is obviously coaching at, at Jacksonville. So um, it's worked the last two years for him to be able to still play at a high level, but that's a position where, like you said, he is getting up in age and they could potentially uh, look to, to move on if that's something that he wants. But I think that position's his um, until he wants to vacate it, to be honest with you. And um, going off of that a little bit, uh, let's give a lot of credit uh, to coach Tim Sudan, you know, year one um, in, in that program with, with the Chrome, uh, and he turned them around clearly as the tops, uh, set the second seed um, going into the playoffs. I know it didn't end like he wanted. He's still looking for that uh, championship. But um, credit to Coach Sudan to to bring this team. Um, obviously, he made some tweaks here and there, but pretty similar roster in comparison to what they had in year one, uh, and they vastly improved. So um, going in, I know we haven't talked about awards yet, but he'd be my my uh, coach of the year candidate. Um, so, but credit to him, Coach Sudan. Um, they have a lot of areas they could improve in, obviously, but I don't know if it's goalie. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, you, you stick with Galloway. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe, you know, put some pressure on him and get somebody else in there to create some competition. Um, you know, I think it, they're probably the closest to that championship in my book, other than the Whip Snakes. It's just the fact that they ran into, a, you know, a hot chaos team. Um, and unfortunately, you know, they put up a good fight. They just got outscored in the end. 
So I, they look scary. I think going into this off season, I think they should be back. Um, and I agree with you, the Tim Sudan pick uh, for coach of the year. I, he's probably be my pick too. Obviously it's hard to, um, you know, ignore coach towers for what he was able to do in the playoffs, but they did start Owen four too. So I, I don't know you, a little bit of recency bias there. You kind of got to look at the whole series and if you're looking at the whole series, I'd probably go Tim Sudan as well. Um, that kind of brings us though to the chaos. Uh, you know, they, they got hot on offense. Um, they decide to go, you know, move on from Connor Fields, at least, uh, you know, from starting him. And uh, they, you know, didn't really miss a beat once they did that. Curtis Dixon was a godsend for them this season. Austin Stotts played really, really well. Josh Byrne performed like we thought he would later in the year. Um, I think they might need some more help maybe at the midfield. Um, you know, Jake Ficarro kind of had a little bit of a quiet season. Uh, and then, you know, I think the faceoff, they really struggled there. And then obviously the, the defense. So, even though they didn't make it to the championship, I think they still have a lot of work to do. Um, do you think they could maybe go face off with their pick? They have a lot of picks in this dra upcoming draft. They have a first rounder, they have two second rounders, and then two third rounders in addition to their fourth rounder. So that's a lot of picks. They could maybe even move up the draft board a little bit if they want. But where do you think their most glaring weakness is? Yeah, I could see them um, improving at the face-off effect, similar to what we mentioned with the Archers. You mentioned, too, in kind of our discussion about the championship, uh, the potential addition on the defensive side of the ball is uh, an area where they uh, could definitely improve as well. So two weaknesses I see uh, from that standpoint. But, I mean, look at that offense. I mean, you didn't even mention uh, Dane Smith, who had a really strong year, um, obviously, and Josh Byrne, too. We haven't mentioned his name. Um, we we didn't haven't talked about his highlight reel goal from the semifinals against the Archers. Um, a lot of people were saying that should be the logo for the league going forward, right? Um, so I mean, Austin Stotts, you mentioned Miles Thompson had a goal in the championship game. They they are loaded on that offensive side of the ball, um, and they didn't play Connor Fields, right? So I mean, I think improvements at the defensive end, um, obviously not in goal, but I mean. They have arguably going to be the two-time reigning goalie of the year. And they had a goalie who I thought arguably was better than him as the backup all season. So obviously plays played out of his mind. I think Dylan Ward's a, a top goalie in the world still too. Uh, we didn't see him see a second uh, of play this year and he could be a potential trade piece going forward, right? Uh, to add in one of those areas of need. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, you got the two trade chips right there in Connor Fields and Dylan Ward. And then you have those picks. Coach Towers can make a lot of moves this offseason to really get this team uh, in good shape going into, you know, season three. So we'll definitely be keeping our eye on the chaos. Um, some other teams too, you know, let's look at the, the three other teams we didn't mention kind of where they need some help. Let's start with the Water Dogs. Uh, I think the biggest need is an identity on offense. They really didn't really know what they wanted to do on offense. Kieran McCardle was the lone bright spot. He finished with 14 points in five games, eight goals, six assists. We know what he can do. Um, but other than that, you know, their, their offenses really didn't perform to the level that we thought they'd be capable of. Uh, Cuccinello only had three goals, two assists. Um, if he's going to be their X guy, they're going to, you know, need a lot more production from him. Ben Reeves only finished with three assists. Westberg, one goal, four assists. Ryan Drenner, three goals, one assist. So they're going to need a lot more from that group. I'm wondering if, you know, maybe uh, they're the ones that try to get in on the Connor Fields sweepstakes and then they move some pieces. Maybe they move Cuccinello um, or a Ryan Drenner who didn't play in the playoff game at all. But I think they need to develop an offensive identity. Um, they need to go back to the drawing board with what they want to be. 
And I think that's what really, really hurt them this season. They have some talented players at the midfield and Connor Kelly, Zach Courier, Ben McIntosh, but they just did not look like they knew what they wanted to do on the offensive side of the ball. And then, you know, in cage, they kind of struggled here or there, whether we'll see Cipriano or DeLuca uh, start next season. That's another, you know, big question mark. So um, for an expansion squad, they certainly have the talent, but they certainly have a lot of questions going into it. Uh, and then the Redwoods actually looked really, really good. Um, despite that loss against the Whipsnakes, they could have easily been in the championship themselves. Um, I think, though, you really saw them miss Jules Henningberg. Uh, I think that attack struggled without him. I think, you know, he is that leader on that offense. And that's no disservice to, you know, Ryder Garnsey. I think Clark Peterson played pretty well. So did Gleason for what he was given. Um, but, you know, they moved Brent Adams to attack. And I think he's a guy that needs to stay at the midfield. Not that, you know, they certainly did well when he was at attack. I'm not going to knock the move by Coach Nat St. Laurent, but I definitely think if they get Jules back, they could be scary, um, you know, and, and maybe they add one more uh, offensive threat, you know, at the midfield as well. We saw Miles Jones and Sergio Perkovic, you know, hit those two pointers, but their offensive efficiency really wasn't that great. So I, I definitely think they need Henningberg to be inserted back into this lineup. Hopefully he stays healthy uh, and is able to get past this condition. Um, anything else from the Redwoods or the Water Dogs that you think in particular needs to be addressed? Yeah, first with the, the Water Dogs, the, the play of BJ Grill uh, on the defensive side was, was an awesome, uh, not necessarily a surprise for, for many people, but an awesome thing to see for that Water Dogs defense going forward. And then you mentioned the offensive efficiency for the Redwoods. They had the lowest shooting percentage in all the league and let, led the league in two-point goals. So they really relied on that two-point shot. Sergio Perkovic had more two-point goals than any other team, which is kind of ridiculous. You know, they, they doubled up in uh, two-point goals any other team. Uh, the Woods had 10 two-point goals while, while the Water Dogs had five. So they really relied heavily on that two-point shot, which I think potentially really did them in. Um, obviously, they were so close to making it to the championship, but I think that's uh, from an offensive proficiency side of things, um, somewhere they certainly could improve in. But who knows? You know, the Golden State Warriors uh, really blew up by making so many more threes, right? And that was a big move in the NBA. We could see next year um, a move to more two-point shots going forward, potentially. No, I think you bring up a great point because I think one of the best shooters in all of college lacrosse and now potentially in the pro game and Mac O'Keefe is in that draft board. So I think you will see some teams prioritize, um, you know, and I, I mentioned Ryan Drenner a little bit too. I think if he can kind of increase his range a little bit, he's going to make himself a little bit more valuable either for the water dogs or for, you know, a potential other team. And we'll get that a little bit later, but yeah, I think that's a great point on how the Redwoods showed that, you know, being proficient from the two point arc can keep you in games and win you games despite not having, you know, a overall great offense. So I think you definitely see some teams prioritize where you definitely want, you know, you, the Whip Snakes have Mike Chanichuk. Obviously the Redwoods have Jones and Sergio Perkovic. I think you're going to see more teams prioritize, hey, we need a guy that can shoot from long range. Maybe the Atlas try to make sure that Ryan Brown is that guy. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later. But now that I mentioned the Atlas, a lot of things that, you know, they need to, to fix on this team. I don't know if it's too many cooks in the kitchen. Kind of saw the same woes as last year, but they do have that number one overall pick. So where do you think they should prioritize uh, this offseason? It's a tough one, you know. I mean, they were a team of such runs, right? They, they had really strong success from a variety of positions. I mean, 
clearly Jack and Cannon really held them together. Mm-hmm. Um, he, well, he ended, I think, with a uh, 57% save percentage, really bailed them out, especially one-on-one situations. He had another strong year. So I could, I'll see him coming back in cage. And they had some success on the rookie side too, right? They added Brian Costabile, who obviously had that one massive game mm-hmm. uh, that was on national nationally televised they added a guy in the entry draft in Craig Chick who had a solid season for them but when it comes to it I think the defensive side of the ball really bolstering uh, the depth that that position could be something um, that that they see um, as a need going forward potentially. I'd like to see Aiden Hines maybe get the call up he wasn't on their travel roster but they did draft him he did commit to the PLL Um, you know maybe you use him instead of Callan Robinson uh, they used Unterstein a lot in a variety of ways. I'd like, you know, to keep him more of the short stick defensive mini. Not that he can't play pole, but I definitely think they need another guy there. Maybe you move Chick down to close defense. You know, he's certainly been able to play that in the past, both college and his one year in the pros with the Rathers as well. But yeah, defense definitely needs some work. Um, I think the midfield too, you know, they, they have some talented O guys. I think you need a two-way guy. You know, obviously they added Costabile, but you need to add a few more two-way guys there. Um, And I think you you saw that the teams that did have the two-way guys, it really made a difference. Today, I also want to talk to you about Design Tree. On our Design Tree store, we have several t-shirt designs like the Pro Lacrosse Talk tee I'm wearing today, our Blast Lacrosse shirt, Cross's Medicine shirt, and many more designs on the way. Design Tree is also home to hundreds of other t-shirt designs in the realm of sports and pop culture. To help support the podcast, please consider checking out our Design Tree store at dsgntree.com backslash pro-lacrosse-talk and grab a shirt today. You know, that kind of brings us now to these off-season moves. Uh, You know, we mentioned that we could see Connor Fields maybe move, uh, you know, and that really depends on, too, whether we have expansion. Um, So we don't know if we're going to have an eighth expansion team. They didn't really hint at it. Um, again, we don't know what their financial situation is after this season too. Hopefully they're in still good shape. I think, you know, that they are, but that might pay, you know, that might play into whether they add an expansion team or not. Um, so where do you see from this league going forward? Do you think they add an expansion team? Uh, you know, again, there's a lot still up in the air with sports in general, but uh, do you think we, they see, you see them at an eighth team um, or do you think, you know, maybe they stick to seven going into next season? I mean, either is possible, right? Some some people were not wanting that uh, Water Dogs expansion franchise after only one season. Uh, that didn't seem to be uh, people's thoughts after the season, right? After all of the awesome stuff that happened in the offseason with, with the expansion drafts, all of the content. I mean, whenever you add a team, more content is created, more uh, back and forth between fans and the league is created, and it only adds positive uh, connections between uh, new fans, potential fans, um, and the PLL as a whole. So I'd be completely fine with it. It adds uh, some more enticing uh, seeds for us to, to cover, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I certainly could see them sticking with the 17 the model for at least one more season um, going forward. But um, obviously there is a lot up in the air going to next year. Hopefully, um, I'm sure they're looking to, to get back uh, to the weekly model where they're on screens, maybe not as in a condensed version as it was this season. So um, hoping to have a longer season and obviously creates more drama the more teams you have. Um, the one thing the league doesn't want to do uh, is kind of decrease uh, the competitive balance of the league. Um, 
And as you saw, the team that finished in last place was in the championship. So that competitive balance is absolutely still there. So uh, if they can keep that competitive balance, add some more intrigue with adding a new team, uh, hopefully you might like the new name uh, of the next expansion franchise a little bit more, but I don't see why not. You know, the, the, the talent is there. If we do see some more movement from the college, you, you know, you saw, especially um, there weren't many rookies this year, right? I know there was a lot of uh, rookies uh, that were considered rookies coming over from uh, the MLL, obviously. Um, but the talent's there to add another team. You saw a goalie in, in a guy like Dylan Ward be on the bench the whole time. Why not add a squad for, for him to start? No, I, I agree. I think it. I think it's a must, really. I mean, obviously, you got to look at the financials if it makes sense, because you know you increase, you add another eighteen man roster or whatever it is. Um, you know, you got to pay those guys. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a must because you know let, we'll get into some of these off season trades that we'd like to see or changes of scenery. Uh, Connor Fields, I don't know where he really ends up other than maybe the Water Dogs if you don't add an expansion team. I mean, he's kind of that quarterback of that offense, or he was before they, they benched him. So every team kind of has that locked up. You got Matt Rambo for the whip snakes. Uh, you know, the, the chaos don't really have that, but they make it work because they got Josh Byrne. They got Austin Stotts. They got Miles Thompson. That's really just how their offense runs. They clearly show that they didn't need him. Um, Water Dogs, maybe, you know, I think they, they could benefit from adding him. Uh, Atlas, they have Rob Pinnell, uh, you know, Jules Henningberg when he's back. He's at for the Redwoods. You know, you got Jordan Wolf with the Chrome. It's there's really not many teams I could see Connor Fields ending up other than the Water Dogs. So that's why I hope there is an expansion franchise. Again, like you mentioned, I hope they choose a better name. Maybe don't let Barstool choose this name, please. Uh, maybe let the fans choose it. You know, put out feelers and see what the fan <laughs> input is, and then automatically, you know, if you choose a fan pick name, you're going to have people that already ha feel a connection to it because they helped choose that name. Uh, that's just my opinion. We won't get into that. But uh, I, I think that kind of is, you know, the next logical step because there is so much talent coming out of this college draft. It's quite honestly probably going to be the most talented because you have people that are coming back uh, after their fifth season sure. uh, in college. So, yeah, I, I definitely think and hope that they add another team and, you know, more teams is better. And I think, like you said, the parity is still going to be there. I don't think we have to worry about that from the PLL at all. Uh, you know, I think the Water Dogs, despite going, you know, one in five, the Water Dogs going one and four, they were still very competitive. Um, you know, full season on their belt, I think they would have done a little bit better. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see for sure. Um, you mentioned Dylan Ward. Where do you think you'd like to see him end up if not an expansion franchise? Yeah, you know, if uh, Coach Copeland, I know I'm not sure what he's uh, going to decide on from a goalie perspective, um, but if he wants to add another Canadian to the roster, I could see uh, Dylan Ward being an awesome addition, right? Um, I, I joked on Twitter wouldn't it be fitting he goes there? They can be called the water dogs. Um, it only makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that would be, I think, a great fit for him. Um, I think every other, you know, team really has the goalie position locked up. You could still see Dylan Ward maybe split time with one of those goalies if you really like DeLuca or Cipriano as well. Um, you know, but I think that would be the most logical spot. Maybe you see the Chrome shake it up if they really don't, want to go with Galloway I don't see that happening given Sudan and Galloway's history and the fact that Galloway did play really really well this season um so yeah I, I think that's the most logical step and again you know hopefully it maybe is an expansion uh team that he ends up on but you know I think coach Towers given what he's done just picking Dylan Moore despite having goalie of the year Blaze Reardon I think maybe you see him protected 
um, still so that he can use him as trade bait. We'll see. Um, another player that I would like a change of scenery is Ryan Drenner, who didn't play at all in that playoff game. I don't know if he was hurt. We didn't really get any you know, information on why he didn't play, but he really struggled this season. And I think it was because, again, there was just too many weapons on that Water Dogs team without really somebody quarterbacking that. I really expected more out of Cuccinello, but he didn't really uh, perform up to par. Um, so maybe you see Ryan Drenner moved. Uh, and I think, you know, Chrome would be a good spot for them. The Chrome, if they don't get Mac O'Keefe in this draft, uh, I think could use another outside shooter. Gaudette did really well as their crease attackman, and he obviously can shoot too. Um, so I'm not trying to, you know, do a disservice to Gaudette. Um, but I think you add another, you know, outside threat there. And if Ryan Drenner can shoot from range, that could be their two point threat there. Cause you know, when they were trying to come back against the chaos, um, there really wasn't anybody in my mind that I thought, okay, you got to get the ball. You know, if you're the Redwoods, you got to get the ball to Miles Jones and Sergio Perkovic or even Joe Walters to hit it too, to get back in this game with the Chrome. I was like, they're better off, you know, maybe just, you know, trying to get, get some, you know, hit some singles as we say. Um, so maybe if they add a, a long ball threat, it could be Ryan Drenner. Um, and then, you know, another hot take, for someone on the move, we mentioned the Atlas's problems. Could we see Paul Rabel get traded or go somewhere else, uh, whether it's an expansion team? Does he go to the Water Dogs? I think he's still got a lot left in the tank. Um, he obviously did not have a very good shooting season. Um, but, you know, if he's willing to, to move and if, you know, Coach Rubio wants to move him, um, expansion franchise might be nice. I think the Archers could use him as well. Uh, I mean – you know, the archers, again, are pretty good at the midfield. I think face-off is their first priority, but it wouldn't hurt to add a guy of Rabel's caliber. Do you think Rabel leaves the Atlas, or do you think I'm just talking nonsense right now? I, I think it's a little more nonsense. Uh, it's a good, good, good topic, but uh, I think he's a bull through and through. Uh, he talked uh, at nauseum about how excited he was to get uh, a guy like Rubior uh, to coach his squad. Um, he keeps hyping them up. I, I don't foresee him going anywhere or finishing his career with anyone other than the Bulls. All right. I know it might be a little bit of nonsense there. I, I just have to, I have to throw it out there. I have to, um, but you know, there's some other guys too, that I know we talked about like Joel Tinney uh, kind of underutilized. I think he, he could be a good fit on some team. Um, you know, maybe the, the chaos add him, you know, another Canadian there, uh, Ben Reeves, another guy on the water dogs, you know, it'd be it's disappointing to maybe see him on a third team in three years. Cause he is so talented, but um, you know, Another team could definitely use him. We got to know, we don't know what his situation is in terms of med school, um, you know, because it sounds like another guy going to med school like Ty Warner might, this might've been his last year, unfortunately. Um, and then Tommy Kelly too, you know, I, I think Towers is loyal to him, but if he wanted to add some competition or, you know, make a switch there, I think the potential is there as well. And then another thing to kind of keep your eye on this off season is Ryan Brown and Eric Law. The Atlas kind of were a little overpopulated on that attack. You know, you have Rob Pinnell, Eric Law, Ryan Brown, Chris Cloutier. They kind of struggled to get all those guys in rhythm. Um, and, you know, those are all talented players. Uh, so I don't know if they move on from any of them, but, you know, you could get a lot in return if you do decide to move maybe an Eric Law or a Ryan Brown. Don't see that happening. Just something, again, to, to again, throw out there. These are more of our hot takes, obviously, like my Rabel one. But again, it's hopefully going to be an interesting offseason. Um, that kind of brings us to the topic two of what we'll see in terms of free agency. This is going to be a big offseason for Profield Lacrosse because we're under the impression that a lot of people 
a lot of these players signed two-year deals with the PLL. So we saw a lot of extension sign, but you could see some movement, whether players decide to go back to the MLL, maybe they didn't get that much time these, over these two years. I don't think it's going to be too many big names. Um, maybe we see some more big names from the MLL come over the PLL. That's definitely going to be an interesting storyline to watch. But what do you think we'll see from this free agency? Because to me right now, the way the PLL has it set up, there really aren't free agents. You know, you sign with the league and then you're on that team and then you got to re-up with the league, but you're still on that roster. So a guy like Connor Fields, if he only signed a two-year deal, he's still technically on the chaos and Coach Towers can move him if he decides to re-sign another deal with the PLL. Again, this is all speculation. We don't know who's signed what other than those that have been announced that they have signed extensions. And even the extensions, most of the time they said what year they're signed through, but some of them didn't. So again, this is kind of speculating. I don't know if we're going to really see a true free agency, but wouldn't it be kind of cool if we saw, okay, Connor Fields, two-year deal is up, re-signs with the PLL, but now he's a free agent and can kind of choose which team he goes to. Uh, could, do you think we could see any of that, Adam, or do you think it's going to be more of you know, players just re-signing with the league and then getting moved depending on what team they're currently on? Sure. I mean, I mentioned earlier about the enticement of off-season um, moves and kind of hyping the league uh, in an extended period where, where there won't be lacrosse, other than obviously the NLL where a lot of those guys are playing. Um, it add a, a lot of controversy. It add a lot of uh, intrigue to, to have something like a free agency. Um, we mentioned off pod too. Um, if players do uh, move from one league to the other, how many years are we going to have uh, an entry draft uh, where players coming from the MLL are going to the PLL, right? Where are those players uh, now going to be potential free, just free agents signing with the PLL um, and going to whichever team uh, that best fits them. So it'll be interesting. I'd love to see it. I'd love to have some more parity when it comes to, or clarity uh, when it comes to what those deals look like. Maybe, I mean, obviously it'd be great to know salary numbers and all that uh, from an intrigue perspective, but just the ability to know um, players are free agents. They have the uh, ability to sign with other teams, go where they wish, where they feel like their game fits best would be super interesting uh, and a lot add another complex layer to already um, really intriguing league. Yeah, no, I definitely would like to see a little bit more transparency because you saw after the entry draft, a few guys signed with the water dogs, you know, like were the water dogs just able to sign those guys because they're an expansion franchise. You had the waiver wire, which also had some big names, you know, Obviously, they did it the right way with the waiver wire because um, Water Dogs started off with the top pick and it went down the list. They were able to get Jake Withers that way. Um, but, you know, those guys were technically free agents coming over. The entry draft was cool, but it, like you said, it was more kind of just a nice way for them to add these, you know, 12 guys to a team. They could have easily just had them sign with whatever team they really wanted. They decided to do it in the entry draft way, uh, which was, I think, smart. But also it's more of just, uh, you know, another way to, you know, generate buzz around the league and show, hey, these guys are coming over. So um, it definitely, I think, was necessary this year. But how many years are we going to do it? I, I don't know. And I think that's a great point to bring up. Um, so we're definitely intrigued by that. You guys want to definitely stick with us this offseason because it's sure to be in for a good one. And again, you know, with these, these deals potentially being up, you know, will we see a big name go back to the MLL or will we see a big MLL guy go to the PLL um, you know, I will have to see right now. It's going to be, a, I think a lot more is up in the air now than there was last year. Last year, you kind of saw the writing on the wall for some of these MLL guys this year. It's a little bit more up in the air. So we'll definitely be interested to see that. Um, I want to wrap up though with betting because that was, I think a great aspect 
of this championship series that we definitely enjoyed. Obviously, we had Dan Newbert on for our playoff preview. We love talking betting with him. Me and you, Adam, weren't really that big of betters. We kind of got a little bit more into it as the series progressed. Um, and, you know, some of the interesting trends to come out of this series are going to be interesting to watch going into the next season. The over-under trend, I think, is one to definitely watch. The under hit 16 out of 20 games. I think sports books kind of got smarter as they went along. Those four games that hit the over came later in the season. So I definitely think they're going to be a little bit smarter about setting those uh, totals next year. That was something interesting to watch. Uh, and then, you know, teams covering the point spread. The Whips covered five of six games. Waterhouse covered three of five games, despite only winning one of those games. Uh, and then Archers did not do a very good job of covering. So it added a whole nother layer that I think was really interesting and hopefully brought in a lot new, a lot more new fans to the game as well. The fact that you can bet on the games is definitely going to attract a new audience that is great for the pro lacrosse uh, to grow. Um, unfortunately, me and you are, you know, teams to win in the future odds didn't come true. I had the Water Dogs and Archers. You had the Water Dogs. Uh, neither of the teams won. We ended up losing money out on that, but it was still fun to, you know, be able to follow those teams. Um, what were your, your takeaways from betting in uh, year one for the PLL? Yeah, you know, the one, the first and foremost, the over-under you mentioned, the, the 16 games going the under. I mean, based off of those odds, I was surprised uh, that the lines were, were that high for the overs, you know? I mean, if you looked at trends, I know the season is completely different in comparison to year one based off of pretty much everything, right? Uh, but the lines that they started at, uh, just looking at last year's statistics, uh, you should have bet the under every single time based off of last year's statistics. So the fact that uh, 16 of the games went under didn't surprise me on the lines. Now, like you mentioned, I expect those lines to be completely different going into next year based off of two years of data, despite it being substantially different scenarios. So that's super interesting. So, and I'm excited, like you said, hopefully this added uh, new fans. It clearly did based off of just kind of lax Twitter, the, the new names that popped up there in a variety of different ways. Uh, it, it added new fans, certainly. Um, I'm excited to see it continually grow. I'm excited to hopefully uh, have uh, the lines be a little bit different and the prop bets be a little bit more intricate going into next year too. I'm excited to, for, for a lot of the betting side of things, that, but first and foremost for the addition of new fans. Yeah, no, and we got live betting for a couple games towards yep. the end too, which was kind of cool to see. Um, yeah, and no, I agree. I, I think right now betting is in a, a weird spot because usually when you look at sports betting, you know, they know the ins and outs of the NFL, MLB. And so you really got to, you know, follow the data with that um, and really got to know your stuff with the lacrosse side. It kind of pays to be a lacrosse fan first, whereas I think it's going to start to progress where you got to kind of take the emotion out of it, watching the games. You know, you got to really look at the data like Dan, you know, Newbert said um, to kind of make your decisions. And I think that's still true, but you did benefit a little bit from knowing these teams pretty well. Um, you know, cause I think if you're a lacrosse fan and you watch the PLL in year one, you actually knew more than these sports books right out of the gate. That's going to change. They have a whole off season to kind of get their research team in line. So you may not have as much of an advantage going into year two of PLL betting, but it's definitely something to, to watch. And we're definitely going to be talking about it as the off season progresses, um, even leading up to that. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of our, you know, our take on betting. Uh, we launched the fantasy lacrosse podcast. 
for that very reason, not only to talk fantasy lacrosse, but also betting. We're going to still talk about it on the Pro Lacrosse Talk podcast, but it's going to give us another opportunity to kind of get experts on the show to kind of talk about the betting side of things. Uh, you know, we had uh, Jake Watts come on uh, to talk about kind of where the PLL stats can kind of help you make informed betting decisions. Um, we're going to have a lot of other people come on as guests as well. That's something we have in the works. Um, PLT is not going anywhere. We are still going to be bringing tons of coverage. NLL draft is coming up. We cannot wait to cover that. We'll have plenty of previews leading into the NLL draft as well as, you know, going into the season itself. Um, we're still very passionate about the women's game. Uh, you know, just even though the, the unfortunate news that the WPL is shutting down doesn't mean women's lacrosse is dead. Um, you know, they're definitely looking to partner with athletes unlimited to hopefully have some sort of showcase. We're going to be monitoring this story as it develops, but we're still going to have interviews with the women players. It's still a big point of emphasis for both of us. If not, you know, even more so now that they don't have a season because there's tons of talented women players out there that need to be spotlighted still. Um, and hopefully they can get something together for a season next year. I'm very optimistic, but it is very unfortunate what happened with the WPLL. Um, and then, you know, we got some more betting coverage, as I mentioned, player film breakdowns are in the works. We're going to have our top side plays coming up. So PL, PLT is not going anywhere. Uh, we're we're going to have a lot of off-season coverage. And then, you know, the, we're going to hit the ground running with the NLL. But uh, anything else that excites you coming in the works from PLT uh, going into this off-season, Adam? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you mentioned the NLL is going to be here before you know it, fingers crossed. That draft is a couple weeks away, September 17th uh, for the NLL. Uh, looks like Jeff T is going to be the first overall pick as long as uh, there isn't a trade or whatever the case may be. He looks like he'll be heading uh, to New York, the New York Riptide, which I'm excited to see him with the addition of Callum Crawford for the Riptide we haven't, that we didn't mention yet. But we'll be talking soon about all the offseason moves for the NLL, the future of the PLL and MLL, what that looks like. Uh, for player movement. So I, I can't wait. This is going to be one of the most exciting off seasons for pro lacrosse as a whole. Um, I know it was a sprint of a season for both the MLL and PLL fans. It looks like it's going to be a sprint of an off season with how much information you guys are going to be uh, getting on a daily basis from us and, and those leagues. No, absolutely. And I just want to give a shout out to all our contributors too. Yep. You know, we had a lot of people step in and join our team and step up, uh, you know, going into this championship series to everyone that, you know, wrote the, the recaps. Um, it was great. It, you know, we couldn't have done it without them. Um, so I just want to, you know, give a shout out to everybody that helped with that. You know, Dan Arestia, our, our pro lacrosse talk insider, as we say, was a huge help. David Wildman has been cranking out content uh, since March, really. And, you know, he's taken on a lot of these news pieces. Isaac Berkey came on. He was doing our fantasy focus videos. Uh, Nicole Weaving doing the quick stick every week and then the quick stick tap after every day for the games, I think was just great content. Really appreciate what she's doing. Nick Zaroya came on as a contributor. He's a fellow lacrosse podcaster. He's the Lax Collective podcast. Uh, we're going to have him on our show sometime this off season as well. Do a little collaboration with that. He was a huge help. Um, Mark Lang, he wrote a lot of our NLL pieces. Uh, you'll see some more of those hopefully. Uh, with the, the updates of what these teams are doing in the offseason. Alex Seagull came on, really added another layer of analysis to our coverage. And then Brian Andrews with our PLT win probability engine. We really appreciated him coming on uh, pretty late in the game and building that. So shout out to all those people. 
uh, really appreciate their hard work and effort. Um, you know, we, we owe a lot to them and they're going to be helping us continue coverage. Uh, you know, we're not going to stop. We really aren't, you know, uh, last year we had a whole season and we didn't really miss a beat since then. We kept putting out podcast episodes. It's going to be the same, you know, going forward. We have one with Jay Carlson coming up that you mentioned, Adam. We're really excited about that. He was a guy that had a breakout season. So uh, the contents keeps coming. Uh, so we hopefully you guys stay with us. We hope you enjoy this episode and hopefully you keep tuning in to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today, I also want to talk to you about Design Tree. On our Design Tree store, we have several t-shirt designs like the Pro Lacrosse Talk tee I'm wearing today, our Blast Lacrosse shirt, Cross's Medicine shirt, and many more designs on the way. Design Tree is also home to hundreds of other t-shirt designs in the realm of sports and pop culture. To help support the podcast, please consider checking out our Design Tree store at dsgntree.com backslash pro-lacrosse-talk and grab a shirt today.